0: If Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Carter, either one of them, had performed to their absolute peaks last night on Long Island, your favorite team still would have gotten clubbed. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Islanders five, Penguins one. At least I think that's where it wound up. Just, just so bad. So bad. Uh, Mike Sullivan said it in this many words. Might have been our worst game of the year. Yeah, probably our worst game of the year. Beginning and end of assessment. And when reporters who were on the scene followed up with, you know, what didn't you like? What was, Missing, was there any kind of excuses, the four-day Christmas break, traveling on game day enough, he came right back with, I don't have an answer for you. Somebody else tried something else, he comes back with, I don't have an answer for you. That's that's one of those games that you don't excuse it, you don't defend it, you also don't try to explain it, because there's 82 of them on a the schedule, and they're going to lay an egg at some point, and they laid an egg to end all all eggs. They had absolutely nothing going at any point on the rink other than the occasional nice Tristan Jari save, and there weren't even enough of those. So, I'm going to repeat this. If Dumoulin had been in Norris Trophy form, meaning anybody's Norris Trophy form, like Kale McCarr at his best, this still would have been the outcome. If Jeff Carter had been a modern-day Sergei Fedorov in just dominating all 200 feet of ice, this still is how the evening would have wound up. I'm not blaming one or both of these individuals for the loss. However, I am quite comfortable attaching their miserable performances— To most of the rest of their miserable performances and renewing my plea for management to be at least a little bit open minded about replacing them, even if it's just temporarily, even if it's just to say, hey, let's let's take it easy here for a little bit. Let's take some of the pressure off, let's keep things from spinning so quickly, and let's figure out what we can do that's the best for you and the best for the team. Not in an insulting way, not in a degrading way, not in a disrespectful way for a couple of guys who've done an awful lot of winning over their NHL careers but to just take them and to keep throwing them out there into the same situations again and again and again is the literal definition of insanity. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how one dollar can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. On New York's opening goal by Anders Lee, the sequence began with something that was just so innocuous you'd never imagine it would turn into a New York goal. Puck was behind the net. There was no pressure. Tristan Jari went back there to collect it himself, and he left it there for Dumoulin. Dumoulin does something that wasn't exactly... Heinous, but he sends it up the right boards. He does it really without looking. If he had looked, he would have seen that the left side of the rink was wide open, but he instead sends it around to the right side. No big deal, no damage done. The puck gets to Jason Zucker. You could blame Zucker a little bit for this goal because he then tries to throw it backward to Evgeny Malkin. That didn't work out. So the puck just kind of pops loose into the slot back to Dumoulin. And Dumoulin, as has been the case with almost everything that's happened to him this season, especially as it relates to possession, just couldn't get a handle on the puck. So he just kind of tries to half poke it forward. Well, that didn't do it. The Islanders have a two on one and Lee blasts it home. This was how Dumoulin described that to Taylor Haas, our reporter from DK Pittsburgh Sports up there. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're at the start. Um, I got to go a little bit. Obviously, I came hard. They were getting pucks in and making this breakout against five guys. And we were a little disconnected at the start. Obviously, playing with the leads would be a lot better. Um, yeah, we, we didn't have a good start. Typical Dumo, meaning in the best way. A, a consummate professional. He's not going to talk about how the breakout didn't succeed going up the right side. Uh, I mean, he's also not going to say, man, I really blew it. Because... You know, he kind of did his part on the initial breakout, but what he's not going to get into and what he can't get into, and I don't blame him for it, is to say, man, every time the puck comes at me, it's like it's a landmine. I, I can't do anything with it, and even if it is right on my blade, I just want to get rid of it. We can talk about his age, but, you know, he he's barely over 30. We can talk about how his wheels aren't what they were in 2016 and 2017 when he was a really, really good skating defenseman. But the bigger issue is that he's just got no confidence. None. It's a crisis in confidence. Carter? Carter's different. Carter looks to me like a player who just, the moment he signed that contract, and I'm not even attaching it cynically here. I think it's just a coincidence. He signed that extension, a two-year deal with Ron Hextall, no trade clause, the whole deal, and just fell off a cliff. And it does happen to players, to athletes in all sports in their late 30s. It just does. And they'll all tell you that when it does, it tends to be sudden and stunning. Remember how it was for Chris Kunitz? One day he was still Chris Kunitz. The next day he was like, you couldn't get anything out of him. Anything other than his usual extraordinary effort. And we were all, remember, tiptoeing around it and we're really reluctant because he's Kunitz. And my goodness, it was just in 2017 that he scored the overtime goal, double overtime goal in game seven against the Senators to send the Penguins to the final and How could you ever say anything bad about him? But he just couldn't play anymore. He just couldn't play anymore. That's what Carter looks like to me. He can win face-offs. Wonderful. Those are stationary things. But he doesn't look like he's got anything close to the wheels that he's had his whole life up until the past year and a half. There has to be an answer for these two. I'm going to repeat this, though, one last time, just to make this point emphatic. I'm not blaming these two guys for this loss. This loss was going to happen no matter what. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Michael, who says, very simply, December 27 was a whole lot more fun 22 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it kind of was. And if I have to explain to anybody what Michael's referring to, it means you're a newer fan. And welcome to this particular tale, because this was the date that Mario Lemieux came out of retirement and scored against Curtis Joseph, had an assist within the first minute. Uh... Blew the lid off the Civic Arena. I was, at the time, beyond blessed to have been embedded in his workouts with Jay Caulfield on Neville Island. It was me, and Jay, Mario's dad, Austin, his son, and my wife came out. My wife, Dolly, came out to help me with photography and so forth. I was trusted by everybody involved to do that reporting and appreciate that trust to this day. And if you'll humor me on this, because of my pride in this, I'm going to read to you out loud the contents of the article that ran on the Post-Gazette's front page, meaning the front news page, the morning after one of these sessions. The wind was whipping across Neville Island yesterday morning. The chill bitter enough to cause parts of the surrounding Ohio River to freeze, and there was Mario Lemieux, skating outdoors, sporting only a tassel cap, a hooded sweatshirt and some shiny hockey equipment, looking very much like a Canadian child who'd rushed out to the nearest pond on the day after Christmas to try out his new stuff. His father, Jean-Guy, watched admiringly from outside the rink just as he did when Mario was growing up in suburban Montreal. Mario's 4-year-old son, Austin, was looking on too but the weather got the best of both of them. Hey, Dad! Austin yelled about an hour into the session. I'm cold! Five more minutes, Mario replied softly. Just five more minutes. So he went ten minutes, and he went hard. I can't tell you how much fun all of that was. What a time! What a time! And then to have him go out onto the rink the way he did at the arena... Uh, That line that they had put together with Yarmir Yager and Jan Herdina, remember that? And Jan was like the most flattered guy in the world because Jan took a lot of pride in his offense, even though he was mostly like a Teddy Bluger type to relate that to the modern uh, fans. But they went out there and they scored. Uh, Yager did some kind of strange play around Curtis Joseph where the puck just found its way in from behind the net. But he had an assist 36 seconds in. And then in the second period, when Yager made the cross ice pass through the Toronto slot and Mario just one-timed it to the back of the net like it was nothing on a rush. I, Yeah, I, the roof felt like it was trembling, meaning aesthetically. Uh, the, the outpouring of emotion, the unusual nature of the emotion. We were enjoying something that we were certain that we would never see again. We had already been privileged to see the greatest athlete in the city's history, the greatest hockey player who ever lived. And now he was coming back for more on what was already a Pretty good hockey team, and everybody's getting their hopes up. And then Mario goes on to put out, I don't remember the exact numbers, but like 70 points in 35 games the rest of the way. He had 91 points a season after that. He was gunning from the left dot like he was born Brett Hall or something, reinvented himself. Uh, it's, It's just like the first portion of his career. Uh, There's a part of you that always will look at it's a shame that there couldn't have been more of it. He ended up being slowed by, uh, in this case, different issues than the first one around and ultimately stopped whenever it came to a question regarding his heart. But yeah, those of you who saw him... Those of you who were there at an event like that night or that night in 97 when he skated in alone on Garth Snow, when you were sure that was going to be the last goal you'd ever see from him. You know what I'm talking about. It's on you and it's on me to make sure that it's understood by people of all hockey generations from now and forever that there will never be another one like this. You will notice that when I do this program, or when I do my writing, that I never, ever, 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 ever compare anyone to him, including the couple of great talents on the current Pittsburgh roster. Never, ever, 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 ever. He's way up there in a class by himself. Boy, am I glad you brought that up. I actually hadn't recognized that this was that anniversary of that. I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do another one tomorrow. Oh, mm-hmm. oh,